Dan Malecki and also Robbie Orville will be joining me shortly as well, two well-respected broadcasters, journalists, especially in the sport of harness racing. And I'm looking forward to getting their response and thoughts from the story that we're about to have a chat about now. We mentioned this from the top and also on Racing Polls with Michael Falgate that today this is the first real big announcement that there will be a new sale in harness racing. I think this will shake up the sport. Nutrient Equine National will come onto the scene um, and start their sales next year in Melbourne in April in 2021. And they've got some big dreams, some big plans for the sport of harness racing. The CEO of Nutrient Equine National is Mark Barton, and he joins me now here on RSN Central to tell me more about this new organisation coming onto the, the scene in harness racing. Good morning to you, Mark. Thanks for your time on RSN Central. No, my pleasure, mate. Thanks very much for having us. It's um, yeah, an interesting time. We're all remote, so it's, uh, it's nice to talk to you. Can you just explain how you came about organising this new company and what your plans are with Nutrient Equine National? Yeah, look, I guess to start with, we um, we had a number of, um, of breeders of horses, more so than, um, than yeah, people that were in the industry of actually the breeding harness racing standard breeds and said, look, yeah, we're interested to see whether we were a company that would have an interest. Um, we've taken some time. I'm married into the into the sport through my wife and her family are quite involved in harness racing in Wagga and, you know, Tamora in southern New South Wales. Um we looked at it, but we, we felt that there's a, a really good link between our business, which is very rural and regionally based, and um, the sport is also. And, and we again, we just see an opportunity for um, hopefully a professional. Uh, we, we're professional in livestock marketing, and particularly in that equine space, that we would like to think we'd be able to um, bring a service that would uh, hopefully add value to the sport and to the industry. When the vendors approached you, what was your immediate reaction to it, and what was their main message to you? Well, it's an interesting um, segue. When we started back into the sport, you know, we um, or into the into equine marketing, it was straight after EI, which was what about two thousand and eight. Um, and there's so many similarities with the frustration that many breeders have got now. But initially, it was it was looking at a, a company they were interested in someone that was totally focused on a sales and marketing um, aspect of, the, of the, the whole industry. Um, there's so many sectors and so many moving parts in, in the sport of racing. And they wanted um, to see if we we're interested in, in really focusing and, and, and getting um, you know, particular focus in that area of, um, of sales and breeding and encouraging people to actually, you know, it's a big investment in the breeding of horses and hopefully be there to um, support those people bringing you know, new genetics through and hopefully um, seeing a new market uh, expand with, with new interest back in the sport. Obviously, you, you, you're with a big organisation, Landmark, part of this industry or the, 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 the company that you represent. You would have had to tick a lot of boxes to make sure that you're ready to go with a sale like this. How much interest have you had from the breeders and, and, and the vendors regarding a sale like this? And how many horses do you expect to have at your first sales next year? Well, well, look, it's interesting. The way we've looked at it, we've, we've, we've canvassed over oh, probably nine months. Yeah, we've, we've been quite active. Um, uh, my wife and I, we ducked over to New Zealand to see how they do things over there. We've, we've watched how, how the marketing of, the, of, um, of horses has been done. We've looked at yeah, what we do with our own performance horse markets, what other guys are doing in um, you know, standard breads and in thoroughbreds for that matter. And I guess this is not something we've just woken up with a, a, a short-term thought. It's it's taken well over 12 months, but nine months we've really worked at it. Um, 
the vendors that we've spoken to and some of the key guys that have said, look, you know, come and help us. So we've asked, you know, people buying horses, what is it they like? One of the key things, they the common feedback was push your sales back a little bit so we've got a chance to see our two-year-olds race before we buy again. So okay. that's why we've gone with an April start date. Um, looking at um, our vendors won't actually pay their sale noms until post-sale. So we'll, we'll take that out of proceeds because some of these larger vendors with you know, 15 to 30 horses, it's, it's a significant investment where they've got cash flow you know, that they're going to be drained on their business you know, for sometimes three, four, five months before they get income back in. Obviously, you're a company that needs to make money and you'll be trying to do that. That's what any business tries to do. Um, APG, you'll be taking on that have shareholders that are involved in the industry. They're regulators, some of those shareholders. What, for, for the harness racing participant out there, um, will there be money going back in from your company, making sure that the industry participants get looked after as well with your sale? 100%. Look, what, what we don't pretend to be is... Um, experts in the sport of racing um we'd like to think we're very good at the, the business of marketing um and and that's in the, the breeding and marketing of um of future champions hopefully so every cent that we, we put through in our commission three percent will get quarantined for a race series um the difficulty at the moment is because of the restrictions on movement uh we do need to get in touch with you know the regulators and say to them look we're we want to bring whatever that that number is. Three percent of our sales turnover each year will be uh, will be quarantined, and we want someone to help put that together. We've 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 loosely come up with some ideas on what we think we can do um, to, to to bring a really exciting race night that would complement a sales um, our sales. We, we certainly want to run one sale um, and create an event rather than a series of sales. Okay. So that's that's why we'll go to uh, Oakland's Junction in um, in Melbourne's our plan for April next year, um, and then in 22 we'll go to uh, to Sydney. And, and the idea there, any interstate horse, we give a rebate, a travelling rebate in their entry to, to encourage to try and bring the industry together and make it a that that, that one big sale, um, one race series, and um, and try and structure that so that. Yeah, you know, the, the people that are spending yeah you know, the top end money have the uh, the prize pool to chase to um to, to help justify their investment. We're talking to Mark Barton here on RSN Central. Um, he's the CEO of Nutrient Equine National, and they are, they are now a new sales company that will be heading into the harness racing market. Their first sale planned to be held next year in April. Um, Mark, you talk about. So you haven't had a chat to, to some of the regulators like HRV and Harness Racing New South Wales about your sale yet? No, not at this stage. What we've done is we, we, we'd asked or we'd, we'd received interest from vendors. Um, after today, we, we plan to talk to those vendors and shore up you know, what sort of sales um, support we, we, we might be able to come up with. And then from there, go to the, the regulators and say, look, we'd like to put this... Yeah, on on the uh, on the table for for you guys to help us put together something that would would uh, complement that race series. Um, understand, understanding that at, at this stage we we'd like to think we'd have a catalogue of of, of three hundred plus horses year one. Okay, I, I just find that a little unusual that you haven't had a chat to the to the regulators just yet. But you're pretty confident they will um, support this new company. I, I guess trying to stay away from from. Yeah, the, the, the policy, politics of running any organisation. Yeah. We'd like to feel that we're up. We, we're a company that's that's good at marketing. We'll, we'll hold the money in our trust. We'd feel that that hopefully those guys see the same opportunity for the for the sport that they regulate and support to um to help us um yeah put together a, a race series like anyone else who wants to invest in their business. Now, 
there's there's um, a chance that there might be a slot race worth $1.5 million, and that would be held in 2024, um, reading the release that I've just been given. So how... How, how will that slot race work? Can you just explain that to us, Mark? Yeah, and again, that's with a, with a group of guys that have, that have talked about yeah, how, how, do, how do we make, how do we make the, the sport exciting? We've seen what um, yeah, thoroughbred racing, we've seen what the, the Greyhound guys have done. What is it? And that seemed to be the one thing, that, that million-dollar race is a big tag. Um, we'd see it would be 24 before our horses were, were old enough, so we'd have four-year-old crop, um, or, or this, this first crop of, of sale horses would be in their fourth year when we, uh, we, we'd look to run a slot race. And we've got um, a lot of interest from yeah, participants in the sport to say, look, we, we feel this is really important for the industry and we'd like to put our, our or pledge our support to something like that. Um, so, so at this stage, it, it's, again, it, it's really for us to say, look, we're, we're a commercial entity that wants to get involved, but take um, uh, advice from the people that, that really understand the sport of racing to help us actually develop that, um, that, 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 I guess that dream of getting that million dollar plus race there for, um, for harness racing. And I'm, I really believe we can do it. I think we've got the horses, we've got the interest, um, and we just need to be able to put the structure in place. And we've got a couple of years to plan it and make sure we do it well. So 2022 will be the first, if the sales, if everything goes to plan, 2022 will be the first series race for your two year olds. How much do you, how much would that race be worth? Can you can can you would you is there is there a figure that you can say now or do you just have to to wait and see yeah, what unfolds? I guess again it'd be premature to say and a bit like why we haven't gone to to any any industry regulator at this point and said look this is what we want to do because we're in the next stage is is to confirm with those vendors what what support we believe we can get um, from that we would like to say depending on the sale averages you know post the, the current environment what those values are, but, you know, historically we, we would like to think that there's going to be you know, a, a, a pay-up that may see a, a, a two dollars $300,000 race appear pretty quickly. That's, you know, without, just without knowing, I think statistically you'll see 80-odd percent clearances in these sales and they've been traditionally averaging around that 30000 So you, you start sort of running those numbers and then looking at a, a one-off payment of 3000 to pay a horse up, um, it, it puts a reasonable pot there for those two-year-olds to chase year one. So, how many percentage of vendors do you think will 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 move from APG to to your company? Do you have a guide on that just yet? Um, look, like I say, when we we've spoken to to a number of industry people, so look, if we enter this market, what is it you're looking for? So we can hopefully um, meet what their expectations are initially, yep. and and based on that, I, I'd like to think between you know the the, the three eastern states, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. Without putting a number of, of vendors on it, I think we, we would we would hope that we would have three hundred plus horses there. And and look, we will um we, we'd like to get um that confirmation over the next ten days. It's you know it, it is a leap of faith for people that haven't met us yet. Um, our original plan was to be out on the ground, yeah, knocking on doors and and meeting the the, the guys that we haven't yet met face to face in their own environment and look at their setup and look at their horses and understand. But that's yeah. Because of the circumstance, room we said, look, let's make it this way. Talk to those vendors. But I, I'd like to think that the um, initial feel is uh, is very positive. That I'd say, you know, well over half the people we've spoken to have said they want to give us a go. And do you think just the last one before we, we let you go, Mark, and we appreciate your time? Is there enough room for two sales company in the sport of harness ra- companies in the sport of harness racing? Look, I, I guess 
the, the one thing I suppose you look at one thing competition's always healthy opposition's not um, I've always worked in an environment where there's a competitive influence keeps you sharp and makes people improve um, what you don't want to see is a super league concept where um, where you try and you know, eat the business from within and I think um, you know, certainly if you look at the sales turnover of the industry um, it's a significant market. I think there's certainly growth in that market. And whether it's whether there's need for two or three players even in the market, I think certainly the first thing I think is a real positive is, is by putting competition um, with, with a business that can, I believe, bring some, um, you know, bring some innovation and some um, enthusiasm to that market, I think is a positive. Um, just whether there's growth in the market to sustain two or whether two existing companies can... Uh, can uh, work with the numbers that are being sold now, that remains to be seen, I guess. And the, uh, I said there was a last one just before, but this is a question coming through from one of our listeners, David. What time of the year would this feature race be run? So would it be held on the same weekend of the sales? And obviously, if you haven't had a chat to the regulators yet, you probably haven't got a venue as we speak. Um, look, yeah, and look, I guess we're looking at a, at a sale in, in yeah, effectively, we're not talking for a, a, a venue for two more years yet. We're, we're, um, we're looking at a sale to run in 21. Um, our first sale seri- race series would run in 22. So we're actually two years away from actually going to the track. Um, but I, I, I understand and respect that, you know, we, we'd need to, um, to, to work with the people that actually, you know, manage those racetracks to make sure that, that what we bring to the, bring to the sport is, um, well, it, it's it's an opportunity we believe to um to, to add value to the sport, and, and I'm sure that, that that should be met with you know, a, a professional understanding. And we understand professionally that they've got a job to do, and we'd um, we'd look to work with them. Well, um, it's exciting. I think it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens, and I, I think competition is good. That's just my personal point of view, and I wish you the best of luck, Mark. And we we appreciate your time here on RSN Central, and we wish you the best of luck with your new endeavours with this new sales company in the sport of harness racing. No, it's my pleasure and we look forward to uh, keeping you guys in touch with what transpires. But just to finish on that, we'd look to see a race series would always run with the sale. That, that to me is part of what we want yep. the event. We want yep. the industry to come together and make that a, a week that they're all, um, everyone's there supporting each other and, and seeing the, the industry flourish. That's our, that's our aim. Thanks for that, Mark. We appreciate your time and we wish you the best of luck. There's Mark Barton, uh, the CEO of Nutrient Equine National, part of the the landmark organisation. Two well-respected industry participants, broadcasters, journalists for many a year now join me to discuss this big breaking story today. Dan Malecki and Rob Orba. First of all, good morning to you, Dan. Hello, Gareth. And hello to you, Rob. Uh, Good morning to you, Gareth. I'll start with you, Rob. You're a breeder. You've had, um, uh, you're a broadcaster breeder. Um, you've been an administrator in the sport of harness racing as well with your work with um, the Victorian Harness Racing Clubs. What's your thoughts on this situation? And uh, what did you think of Mark Barton there and his interview with us on RSN Central? Yeah, look, I've, I've probably picked up uh, halfway through, uh, Gareth. Um, look, certainly it's no surprise that this announcement is obviously been some murmurings going on for uh, quite a while regarding the potential of a second sales company coming into our industry. At the end of the day, I think, um, as Mark mentioned, uh, competition is good, opposition isn't good. Um, what needs to happen from this point onwards going forward, obviously a lot of dialogue needs to occur but whatever the approach, the first 
priority is always the industry ahead of individuals. So I think whatever gets put in place, it needs to be an overall benefit to the whole industry to make it a healthy competition to make the industry continue to grow. And if, if those blocks are put in place and we get the support from all the relevant bodies that are required to approve and tick off on the actual venture, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Dan. What did you think? Yeah, I concur with you guys. It's always exciting when there's something new and people are innovative and um, uh, another uh, option for, for breeders and also potentially for buyers and another race series where that money is uh, split up. Uh, I would like to think going forward that um, the two-year-old racing, though, is, is just that little bit of a query I have because we've got such a, a shortened season for two-year-old racing. We really don't get to the racetrack until January. And, um, you know, whether to, to cluster in what would be an APG, this new series, and potentially a Vic Bread, it's, it's pretty tough on the two-year-olds. But um, finding the right space during the year, and, and that, look, there are trainers and there are owners and there are breeders that will be able to decide, decide that, uh, better than, than than I would. Robbie would probably have a better idea with that cluster of the feature two-year-old races and the lack of two-year-olds on the track early, uh, Rob. That's probably just one negative. For, for sturdy, hardy, resilient horses, I think nobody would argue that, that harness horses are far more sturdier and resilient than thoroughbred horses, uh, but they're also far more immature, hence why uh, the Gallops world, the, their two-year-olds have got about three months head start before let the standard breads get to the track. Yeah, look, I think over the next... Uh, where, where are we now? We're, we're in April. I think between now and, and September, in particular, harness racing, Victoria, under the guidance of Dale Brown and his racing team, Steve Bell, there's some very good dialogue occurring um, as we speak with the government industry bodies that are involved about uh, reshaping our industry going forward and in particular looking at our racing calendar and part of that consideration will come into the way that we're actually presenting our feature races, in particular not only uh, our, our Group 1 races, but certainly our two-year-old and three-year-old and four-year-old racing and beyond, and especially from a Victorian product, our Vic Bread product, how can we actually enhance that? And I certainly believe there's enough positive, you know, a lot of positive feelings going on with the dialogues that are occurring that can certainly uh, find a, a reshaping of the way we present our race calendar and taking into account all the things that you've just alluded to, Danny, with our two-year-old racing, our three-year-old racing and beyond. So I think it's a good time for this now to come onto the table. It can certainly be taken into consideration. And as I mentioned, if everyone works together for the holistic betterment of the industry, it can only be a win. At the end of the day, return on investment is what people are looking for. If people are going to invest into the breeding, they're going to invest into the sales. At the end of the day, what is the return on investment that's waiting for us at the end? So mm. if we can get all those blocks in place, I think go for it. Let's, let's all work together to make it happen. And I think with this situation, uh, Robbie, and this is... I've had a chat to a few people in the industry, trainers, drivers, breeders especially, and vendors. And, and obviously Mark just pointed that out in, in his interview. That he, I think that the main reason why the vendors approached him was the marketing to, to, to the sales, to make sure that they get the, the word out. And when you to APG and you have a look at their stats, they've increased and improved as the year, years have gone on, especially the last three or four years. Um, so it's interesting to see how how this has all happened and how this new sale company has come about. 
Um, when you mention about working together, how do you think these two sales company can do sales companies can do that working with the regulators? Well, at the end of the day, the leadership is, is putting putting forward a, a healthy proposal, and then the, the leadership of the governing bodies about working together of trying to fit in all our industry participants. I, I, I tend to agree with Mark. At the end of the day, if you've got an investor that wants to knock on your door and inject a new way of doing things, and in particular inject prize money at the end of the day. Um, then you've got to be open to listen to what they're putting forward. I mean, no one should have a closed approach. Everyone should have an open approach and then having a look at how, how best can we cater for all our investors. And at the end of the day, if, if the end result is that people that are investing at the bottom end from a breeding and racing perspective are going to benefit from it, well, then the industry benefits. So I can't say it's a bad thing. Yeah, and, and Dan, with all of this, we've all got some passion for harness racing, care about the people involved, care about the participants and the vendor vendors who, who specially breed these horses. Um, I just hope it works out for everybody and everybody in harness racing can benefit from a situation like this. And I agree with Robbie that they all come together and make sure that they do with other initiatives as well, like they're talking about a slot race worth $1.5 million in 2024, giving people a reason to go to a sale and dream of winning a million-dollar race, Danny, and, and having those visions and goals and, and to think outside the square and make, and, and make harness racing great. Oh look! If everyone's uh, everyone's on the same tram as far as that's concerned, trying to uh, make the industry uh, better, I mean, a lot of similarities to what the Magic Millions provides uh, on in the thorough, thoroughbred world on the Gold Coast. Uh, but look at how that has burgeoned over the years. Of course, that's not just for two-year-olds, and I'm not sure if I misread what Mark was talking about. I mean, I'd much pre if it was a carnival. I'm presuming there'd be two, three, and four-year-old legs, correct? And perhaps even older horses in in time. So uh, for something like that. Um, Probably not dissimilar, I guess, in a sense to what the Breeders' Crowd has tried to, to create. But, look, that, that's great, another opportunity. As I said, I think the most important thing is picking the right time of the year for that to occur. Naturally, uh, uh, they want it with the, when their sales go ahead, but whether or not an April two-year-old race is the right time, that I'm not sure. But, you know, the breeders and the trainers would be the best ones uh, to determine that. What is the right time then, Dan, in your eyes? Well, the APG often run about that time, don't they? And, of course, you've got the, the Bathurst Gold Crown Series at that time. So um, for two-year-olds, our two-year-olds are getting to the track later and later every year. The first two-year-old race that was run this year was in the first week of January. For, there was only a handful of horses about. Of course, there's more coming up now. Um, in Victoria, particularly, the biggest races have been the Vic Brett. Now, they won't be running the first week of July this year because we've had to put up with um, um, the, this, this virus. But um, generally, they would be set for those races heading towards the first week of July. Two-year-olds in the harness world are late maturers. That doesn't mean we can't have an early season feature two-year-old race, but I think we've got a few too many as they sit at the moment, earlier on in the season, I, I, I would much prefer the biggest race to be a three-year-old race. Mm. And then three-year-olds have 12 months of the year to race. Two-year-olds barely have six. I think that slot race, Robbie, they were talking about will be 
obviously as those horses get older, that's where you can buy a slot and the horse has to be purchased from that sale and then you race for, for big prize money. But it's an interesting one. I can see where this new sales company is coming from, that they want to do a, a similar model to, say, the Magic Millions where everybody's at the sales and then they have that... The, the big race meeting there with high, high prize money. So then it's sort of right at the front of your mind when you turn up to these sales. Uh, this, this is, we need to buy a horse so we can win this race, like the Magic Millions on the Gold Coast. Yeah, look, I, I think, uh, you know, I think the talk is, you know, around that April, April East period for, you know, where I think they're, they're wanting to head with this uh, new series and having a whole weekend of it. Um, I certainly believe it leads the opportunity, look, and I've been a fairly strong advocate regarding this about starting our big bread program from three, four and five and above. I feel like if we were able to put in place that type of series and take into account some of the things that I've just raised now, then if we then had a new series two-year-old race and even an ATG two-year-old race as our two main feature two-year-old races for the season, and then start the big bread program from three, four, and five and above, I think it then caters for everybody's requirements, uh, and it certainly opens up the door for some really great creativity going forward. So, look, I, I see it as a, an opportunity to consider, an opportunity to look at all uh, avenues, and at the end of the day, it's about finding the best fit for, for the industry as a whole, and uh, I'm, I'm all for it. And, and talking to a few of the, some of the biggest breeders and some of the, the entrepreneurs that have been so successful in business also might um, um, play a part in, in, into this new company as well. I think competition is great and I'm excited to see what they can do if they want to make a new event and, and, and try and have a million-dollar race by thinking outside of the, the square and, and with the job, say, that Dale Brown and his team are doing at the moment. Um, I think harness racing participants... There's there's definitely some hope there for them and the, the people are trying their very best for this industry that they try and make a living um, from. Hey, Dan, always a pleasure. Great catching up with you and we'll catch up with you during the week. Have you got a winner for us? Uh, I will have tomorrow, mate. I'm at uh, Melton tomorrow and I'm yep. uh, studying uh, enthusiastically throughout the course of today. So I will endeavour uh, to uh, come up with a winner or two tomorrow for Melton. I went to the, the, the local pub down the, the road to get a roast there on a Sunday, and one chap stopped me and said, make sure, geez, I love Dan Malecki and Rob Orber's mail. So um, there you go, lads. You've got some fans out there. Robbie, have you got a special for us? Uh, look, uh, hopefully people got on on Shadow Boxing. We did, so yes. How, how impressive was he yesterday? Big win. D Dan Malecki needs to find a winner tomorrow. It's his birthday too, Gareth. So okay. Make sure that we wish him a happy birthday <laughs> for tomorrow, Dan. I'm not sure how old you are, but you must be uh, over 50 now, surely. <laughs> happy. I'm old enough, but I'm younger than you. <laughs> Very true. Uh, look, maybe maybe Azza in the last tonight of Bendigo. Um, he's probably close to a win from the Ross Graham stable and yep. probably gets into the right race tonight. So we'll try to find one tonight for our uh, listeners and we'll go race eight, number eight at Bendigo this evening. I've got one for you, lads. We'll go to Mildura yeah. tonight, um, race three. Horse two, he's a modern boy. Eddie Sparks and D-Lock lead all of the way there in race number three, lads. Hey, thanks for your time, boys. See you, boys. Good on you. Thanks, Gareth. Dan Malecki, Robbie Orba joining me there on RSN Central for gate speed at seven minutes past 12. We'll take a quick break. And then it's off the leash with Georgie Ferugia and Molly Haynes.